Welcome to the Root Cause Revolution podcast with functional and integrative nurse nutritionist and energy medicine practitioner, Audrey Christie. Hey friends, today we're talking about IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. It goes by a lot of different other names, but we're going to call it IBS for the sake of what we're talking about today. So let's get ready to dive in. Welcome. If this is your first time listening, I'm Audrey Christie. I'm a functional integrative nurse nutritionist and energy medicine practitioner. I help women heal from autoimmune disease, chronic illness, those symptoms that just won't go away. We stop chasing symptoms and we heal it for good. All right, let's dive in. I tell you what, if there is not a more BS diagnosis than IBS, I would be hard pressed to find it. So imagine this, you have been, uh, you know, having lots of diarrhea and mucus and flatulence and maybe even nausea. And you go to the doctor because this has been going on for a long time. And he says, you have irritable bowel syndrome. And when I hear about this happening, I just, uh, my first question is like, did you look back at him and say, well, no kidding. Like I knew my bowels were irritable before I, that's why I'm here. But pretty well, most conventional medicine doctors don't really know how to get to the root cause or what those root causes are. And they don't know how to help the body heal. We're going to fix that today. So Irritable bowel syndrome or IBS or mucus colitis, depending on what you want to call it, they're really common conditions. And they usually show up with a couple, a combination of symptoms like abdominal pain, like constipation. And guys, what happens when you have constipation? Stagnation breeds sickness, right? Uh, Diarrhea. So it's usually either one direction or the other. Hypersecretion of of colonic mucus, gas or flatulence, nausea or anorexia, and usually accompanied with some varying degree of anxiety or depression. So somewhere on that scale. Now there are some other conditions that can mimic IBS, right? And so you should always rule those out. Um, and the exact Uh, how do I say allopathic medical cause? They don't really, they'll tell you they don't know the cause. A lot of times you'll be diagnosed with idiopathic IBS. That just means they don't know what the heck it is. Um, But we know that physiological, psychological, and dietary factors have all been linked as root causes for this condition. Now, there's a few things that you can do to assess, right? To assess where or how you've ended up here. Number one, we're going to do a simple stomach acid test. Now, there are some places I can guide you through checking the reflex on your body or checking tenderness on your body, but that might be a little bit too difficult. So there is a simple stomach acid test. You can download it on the show notes page at audreychristie.com forward slash 174, and it'll walk you through whether or not you are positive or negative for stomach acid, whether or not you are producing enough stomach acid or whether or not you are under producing stomach acid. Generally, root causes for IBS are a combination of, like I said, physical things like parasites, like toxicities, like food sensitivities or allergies, and energetic or psychological things like anxiety and depression or high stress at work. 
And it doesn't have to be work. It could be just high stress in your life in general. When uh, I have clients that come in, we get, we do an assessment each month or each time they come see me. And it's just a quick questionnaire that helps us to assess stress levels because it is so very important. It is deeply tied to your gut health and to the motility of your gut. So that constipation, diarrhea scale, right? I recommend everyone that is suffering from irritable bowels have a CBC and CMP, so a complete blood count and a complete metabolic profile done. I don't think stool tests are necessarily important. We can look at those two lab inf- those two bits of basic blood chemistry and assess a lot of different things about your nutritional status, um, depending on whether or not you have high or low stomach acid. Often it's low stomach acid. You might need to look into something like a digestive enzyme to be adding to your food. Um, And depending on whether or not you are needing more or less fiber, you could look at something like bentonite clay or water-soluble fiber, um, other things to support a healthy colon, right? And then... Of course, there are lifestyle changes, right? You want to make sure you're increasing dietary fiber. A lot of people are shocked when I tell them that you really should be having 30 to 40 grams of fiber per day, per day. Most people are barely getting 10. And I'll tell you, I I eat 30 to 40 a day, and sometimes I have to work for those 30 to 40 grams of fiber a day. Um, But there is a noticeable difference between days where I have enough fiber and don't have enough fiber. And I'm not just talking about in the bathroom. I'm talking about overall emotional, physical balance, energy levels, sleep, all of those things. It really only takes a day or two when I slide back off the wagon and don't have as much fiber um, to see changes in my skin, in my sleep, in my mental acuity and alertness. Um, The second thing is to eliminate allergic or intolerant foods. So I'm not a huge, huge fan of IgG food sensitivity tests, but sometimes they're just necessary. What I like to do is walk people through kind of a step-by-step process. The first thing you're going to do is a food mood poop journal and see if we can identify any um, additional allergens, additional high probability of sensitivity foods outside of the basic gluten, dairy, and eggs. Um, Gluten, dairy, eggs, and I would even say refined sugar are usually the first ones that we work on eliminating doesn't mean that they have to go away forever, although I am uh, pretty hard to convince for you for you to it's pretty hard for you to convince me that you need to be eating gluten or dairy. Most often those are things that go away for a long, long time. Often eggs and refined sugar can come back in limited quantities. Um, and so if we don't find anything in that food mood poop journal, then we might do a food sensitivity test and see, what foods you might be allergic to or intolerant of. Oftentimes we'll find a huge um, selection of fruits and vegetables that you're intolerant of. And that just means that we need to address the gut health, address the gut for healing properties. Um, The other part of that, of course, is addressing the stress component because I've had people who come in, they have IBS. There's literally nothing physically wrong except for the IBS. It is all stress related, every single bit of it. So there's a big component to addressing the stress, building a toolbox of things that you can do to help to mitigate stress. You can't avoid it. You just have to learn to deal with it better. And then just a little general information on foods. You Foods to include include baked apples, steamed or baked vegetables of any kind, brown rice, plenty of beans, peas, and lentils, uh, potatoes. Yes, eat potatoes, both sweet potatoes and white potatoes, um, oats or oatmeal. Make sure it's gluten-free oatmeal. Um, and even a little bit of oat bran can be helpful. 
by and large, what foods you need to avoid if you're actively in IBS during the healing process. And these are general. They could be a little bit different for everyone. Raw foods, hydrogenated oils, spicy food, peppers, like red and black peppers. Um, you want to avoid coffee and black tea. This is usually where I put people on a really special organic reishi mushroom coffee. It does have a little bit of coffee in it, but it has these amazing reishi spores in it that are shown to help a whole host of problems, but they also repopulate your gut with the good guys. You're also going to avoid alcohol, dairy, as I've mentioned, um, beef and pork, um, any kind of wheat or white flour, refined sugar and refined sugar desserts, and for the most part, you're going to avoid vinegar and mustard. Now, again, this is not forever, but it is for the time that it takes to heal and replenish the gut. I also really like to use aloe and aloe products to help heal and replenish the gut. So if you only take one thing away from this episode, then I hope you will take away that IBS Number one, it's not permanent. Number two, you can absolutely cure it. And it's really not that hard. It's one of those things that, you know, as a practitioner, when somebody's like, I have IBS, that's my only problem. I'm like, hot dog, let's fix it. This is an easy win for both of us, right? Um, so you just want to make sure that you go about it. You're not band-aiding it, right? Because that's going to continue having the problems with medications and either laxatives or anti-diarrhea medicine, or even anti-anxiety medicine to try to control it, because that doesn't help. It simply pushes the problem uh, down, kind of shoves the problem down, and it pops up usually a lot worse. Okay. Now, if you want to learn more about me, about how to implement these things into your life to feel better in simple, practical, and sustainable ways, I encourage you to head over to AudreyChristie.com and head over to AudreyChristie.com forward slash 174 so you can download the Simple Stomach Acid Test if you're suffering from IBS. It'll give you a great place to start to move forward on your healing paths. But at the website, there's all kinds of downloads and online courses and memberships, tons of resources to help you create your own root cause revolution. And remember, I am always rooting for you, friend. Don't let doctors give you BS diagnoses and tell you that you're, you have to live with it. I'm so grateful for you listening. I hope to see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Root Cause Revolution podcast. Be sure and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated.